listening to an episode of the Let's Netflix and Chill podcast hosted by Reese Chanson. The luckiest girl alive. Mila Kunis takes center stage in this mystery thriller of some sort with a little pinch of action. So what is this really about? Well, in the beginning, it seems like some sort of story with, uh, you know, some trauma in the past, you know, some stuff that's gonna, that's bound to catch up with you. You know, that's what the situation of, like, how am I, uh, let me put this in a word that, that will be simple. This story is based on a novel. I know, I just, sort of said something in the beginning and I acted like I didn't say it. No, I'm getting to that. Just give me a sec. This is based on a novel, a book per se, of the same name, if I'm not mistaken. And it's written by Jessica Knoll or Jessica Knoll, if I'm saying her name right. It's K-N-O-L-L. Okay, now, The Luckiest Girl, the title itself is confusing. There's nothing lucky about the whole situation whatsoever. I guess it's taking a spin on negative shit and making it seem positive. She's lucky she survived the murder, a school murder, but that doesn't seem like she was going to be killed in the first place because... The, the person who, com- who does the actual school shooting happens to be a best friend of hers. Happens to be a guy who's talked to her for, for months, for periods, telling her to take action, take revenge, talk to the police, do something. And she doesn't do it, but he actually takes initiative and actually gets the deed done. The deed being getting revenge on every sort of asshole on school premises, school campus, school grounds, school bullies, school school know-how. So he goes on a mass shooting and kills everybody at that school. And at the last moment, he hands, you know, he hands her the gun and she says, uh, Anne, Tiffany, whatever she calls herself, he hands Tiffany the gun and says, I know you want to do this as much as I do. But she doesn't do it, but ends up stabbing him in the neck. It's just, well, poorly put together. So let me get this right. This dude rapes you, along with other dudes. And then your best friend decides to get revenge on your behalf and on everyone's behalf who's been abused by these pricks, one way or the other. And you are well aware that he won't kill you. Oh, you're not sure. I don't know. But I don't think if someone hands you a gun after killing everybody, fam, after killing literally everybody, hands you a gun, says you shoot him. That does not give me anything that says they want to shoot you. In fact, when they take the gun and shoot the person, they say shoot. They still don't shoot you, but you jump up. And you stab him in the neck. And you think you're going to be some sort of hero the next day. But the person that gets shot. The survivor. The actual survivor. Who's not, whose life was in danger. Somehow. Says. 
you were part of the whole murder thing in a way, but you're never convicted. There's never a case filed because of the mass shooting. So you move on with your life in a way, but you go on fighting with yourself because your mother is more concerned about how people think about you being raped for one, how people will think about you being to a murder scene of some, of, to a massacre, really. She cares about that, doesn't give a damn about you, probably hollers you a lawyer, yada, yada, yada. None of that shit happens. You move on with life trying to fit in. Because after that murder scene, after that massacre, the whole school compound thinks you had something to do with. So they, they isolate you. They, they alienate you in a way. So you try to fit in by telling people what they want to hear, when they want to hear, doing what they want so much that you lose yourself. That's pretty much dope writing, if you ask me. That happens to a lot of people in a lot of situations. But the story lacks something. The whole ending of the whole murder stabbing, that's the problem. Her writing, you know, in the New York Times, an article that catches masses of mass appeal and makes women come up front about them being raped and stuff like that. That's beautiful. Well-written stuff. That's great. The whole point of her getting, trying to get married to a rich guy for status so that she, she can be discredited because of the person she is because she was decredited, discredited in her schooling years because she was there at a scholarship while these other pricks were rich. Makes sense why she has to find some sort of validation in order for her to feel like she can talk about what happened to her. That no rich prick lawyer is going to stop it when she's established. So that makes sense in a way. But that murder scene, that murder massacre is so... Sheep. Like, for instance, if a guy is murdered, several people are murdered, and the only survivor comes out, and he says somehow you were involved, no police knock at your door, no investigation, nothing happens. It's just weird. Weird to me. Weirdly that something happened so many years ago and we're still doing documentaries on It's the same thing with this Jeffrey Dahmer crap. Why are we doing documentaries and shit on tragic shit that happened in the past when there's so much we can create, so much we can write, so much we can do from scratch? Why are we digging up the past? Why are we digging up the past? Let the past be the past. So the luckiest girl, it's undeserving of its title. There's nothing lucky about it. Of course, it's deprived from a scene in the film or a scene in the pages of the book, in a way. That I am the luckiest girl because I survived this shit. You're not lucky. You were friends with the murderer. You're not lucky. You got raped and you buried it hurting yourself now you can't even have sex without being in control without making it fast so you get done fast you can't take it slow because you might not enjoy it you don't want to you don't want a man on top of you because you're not you see them niggas on top of so you want to be on top trauma 
emotional damage that needs years of therapy. But hey, sometimes writing shit down is some sort of form of therapy, but publishing it to the world is also some form of therapy. But the whole point of the boyfriend being upset seems like the boyfriend knew about all this, but was upset that she released it on the eve of their wedding. And the point that she sort of canceled the engagement by releasing this because she was like, if I'm true with myself, I'm not even in love with you. I'm not even sure if I'm in love with myself. Beautiful moment. The whole thing made the mother see that she hasn't been supporting her daughter for a mighty long time. Beautiful moment. And of course, there's that end scene where a prick journalist talks about, oh, you get your own 15 minutes of fame. Prick scene. But you gotta be a prick. Just let someone enjoy their moment in the sun. It, I don't even think it's a moment in the sun, fam. You got raped. So, overall, I'm disappointed a little, but not that much. See, the previews made it more compelling, but it's not that compelling once you get to sit down and watch it. But it's not a movie that I would 100% recommend to everyone, but if you're bored, I'd say watch it. I'd say if you really like the actors, go watch it. It's not horrible film at all. It's just not amazing as I thought it was. It's great. Okay, it's good. Not great. It's good. It's just not great. It's not amazing. There isn't a moment where a pin drops and you're like, oh, wow, that happened. That, that moment, that thing is not there. But overall, nice movie. Really nice. I don't know what more you want me to say. Now that was entertaining. You just listened to an episode of the Let's Netflix and Chill podcast with Reese Jansen. With that being said, remember to support the podcast on Patreon. And let's hang out another time. Adios, folks. Adios.